Hey, it's an honor. It's an honor to be here with y'all uh, this evening. Uh, I think it's uh, God's divine providence that has allowed us to be together tonight. In fact, it's probably a month ago I had come to Panera to study for a sermon that I was going to preach at our church, Southern Heights. And I, actually, I had a spot in mind that I was going to when I walked in the store. And I, I went back to get in this little corner in Panera, and there was Lance in my spot, right? I'm like, oh, man. And then so I sit down, and we start, we start chatting. And, um, and so ultimately, from, I think from that conversation, he ended up extending me an invite to be with you all tonight. And so the, the sermon I was preparing for in Panera, that text, is the text we're going to be in tonight. And so I'm confident um, that God wants to speak to each of us tonight through his, his word. Uh, and so if you would, would you, would you join me and turn into Isaiah chapter 1? Isaiah chapter 1. Uh, maybe a peculiar text uh, for a men's night, but I, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that, that God will speak to our hearts and minds when we study it. So Isaiah chapter 1, I think we may have it on the screen. Will we have that on the screen, brother? Yeah, we'll have it on the screen here in a second. Um, so, so to lead into the, the text, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give you a little personal uh, story that, that might be helpful. Um, so growing up, um, I looked at my father figures, right? And as I watched them and observed them, seen their character, how they behaved, I connected that to who God is and what he's like. So my mom, for a long time, was not following Jesus. So she ended up marrying, over the course of several years, five men. Right? Not at the same time, just separate. But I had my dad and ended up having four stepdads. So my dad, she was married to at first, um, he was very distant. Right? We, we don't have a relationship. We're not close. And so I, I connect my father with the heavenly father and think, man, God is is distant. He just doesn't. He just doesn't care. He doesn't want anything to do with me or, or with humanity. My second stepdad, he was a fun guy, a jokester, but he also spent his weekends at the bar. And so my mom would have to go pick him up because he was he was just plastered. Right, he couldn't drive, and so she'd bring him home. And so I started to think, yeah, man, maybe God's fun, a fun guy, but he doesn't really take responsibility and care for us like that guy did. And then the next guy, he was, um, he was angry. Right? He was a, an abusive man. And so it was kind of like walking on eggshells. So I started to think, man, not only is God distant, is God aloof, is God not take responsibility for us, but now God is just, he's flat out mad and angry. And then my fourth father figure, he was unstable, right? So we didn't know what kind of mood he was going to be in when he came home. Was he going to put my mom in the closet after abusing her again? Or was he going to smile and embrace us and love us? And so I started to think, is God like that, that you just don't know what side of the bed he's going to wake up on? And then my mom gave her life to the Lord, and the man she's married with now is a believer he is unlike any of these other guys. Like he's gentle, he's, he's firm, he's, he's a leader, he's tender, he's patient, and he's, he's gracious. So, so this man is unlike all these other guys. This man is better than all these other guys. And I think when we come to the scripture, we learn that, that God is a better father than I think 
we, we may actually realize. And so if nothing else, when we read Isaiah chapter 1, I just hope you all see what kind of father God is. I think we'll be, our hearts will be moved by the, the tenderness and the love that he has for his people in this text, okay? So Isaiah chapter 1, um, here's, here's what I like to do. This is, this is God's word. And so would you just for the moment, I'm going to read it all together, chapter 1, verses 1 through uh, 18. But would you stand with me as we just kind of honor the reading of the word of God uh, this afternoon, if you don't mind? Thank you all very much. So this is Isaiah. It's kind of like a sermon, so it's meant to be read all together, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 18. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they've rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel, they don't know. And my people, they do not understand. Ah, sinful nation of people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They've forsaken the Lord. They've despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why? Why will you be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there's no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They're not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left for us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense, it's abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I can't endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and appointed feasts, I hate them. They become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands, they're full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins, they're like scarlet. They shall be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Um, who is adequate and sufficient to pre preach it? Who is worthy to hear it? And none of us, none of us, but by your grace you give it anyway. And so, Lord, I pray that your, your character and your person that you will be revealed and displayed this evening, that you will be put on 
on display and exalted, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you all. So I I hope um, there's a lot of things that we see about who God is, uh, but there are three things in particular that I hope we see. I hope we see that that God is a Father who speaks. He speaks to those who don't deserve to be spoken to. Um, I hope we see that that God is a Father who pursues. He pursues both sinners and the self-righteous. And I hope we see that, that our God is a God who, who pleads, who invites those who don't deserve him to come to him, sinners who deserve only judgment to come to be in relationship with him and, have, and to be in his presence. And so we're just going to jump right in. We're going to see that the God is the Father who speaks in verse 1. It starts with this, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So who is this to? Let's see the people of Judah. And we're like, well, why, why do they matter? Like, why does this have anything to do with us? Well, here's what we need to know. This has taken place about 700 B.C., around that time, before Jesus ever was, was born. And the people of Judah, that's God's covenant people, those whom he has relationship with. And he's told them, he said, hey, if you love me, if you follow me, things are going to go good for, for you. You'll be blessed. But if you rebel against me, if you reject me, if you commit idolatry with your life, then, then you're going to bear the consequence. You're going to receive my judgment. And so he's talking to Judah and Jerusalem here. And so um, basically at around this time, there's this northern empire called the Assyrians, right? And basically because they've rejected and rebelled against God, Assyria is on its way to invade this little nation of, of Judah. And they're on their way to invade because Judah deserves it. They have rejected and rebelled against God. They have sinned. So what's the message God has for his people who are wayward and sinful and have rebelled against them? Well, here's our first clue, y'all. Hebrew names have meaning. Who's, who's the preacher in verse 1? The vision, who'd the vision come to? This man named Isaiah. What's Isaiah mean? Anybody know? Isaiah means Yahweh is salvation. So a people who deserve condemnation, a people who deserve judgment, God says, I want to offer you salvation. You're to the point that you're past self-remedy. You can't do anything to improve your position before me. You've, you've tried and you've just failed. You flopped. You can't improve yourself to earn my favor and acceptance. God's got to do the work. Yahweh's got to do the work. The God of the Bible has to do the work. And friends, the God of the Bible does want to do the work. Um, does anybody know this guy named Norm MacDonald? Anybody heard of him? The comedian. I think he passed away last week. Um, I didn't know much about him, and I started listening to some of his like, videos with talk show hosts. Really awkward, and, and he's very dry, but it was, it was actually there were some really funny clips. Um, I think he had cancer for 10 years, if I'm not mistaken. And so in that 10-year frame, he, he said he, he confessed that he ruminated over death often. Like he's thinking about it. And so he's looking for this solution to, to how to solve this worry and this concern about death. And so he goes to a rabbi. And, and he says the rabbi is very scholarly and smart. But he doesn't, he doesn't really find the solution. And then he, he goes to the church. And we're like, yeah, baby, that's where you're going to find the answer of the church. The preacher gets up and he, he says, man, the preacher's like a pleasant guy, but he doesn't really know what he's talking about. <laughs> like he's, he, he just told me how to be a nice guy, how to be a, a better person. And friends, that's the majority view in our world. 
messages of, hey, be a better person to earn God's favor and acceptance. And Isaiah is telling us, you can't do that. Yahweh's got to be the one to save. That's why we say when we're talking about the gospel, we say the gospel is not the, the good news of, hey, you get to work to earn God's favor. The gospel is the good news that it's finished. <laughs> like what Jesus did on the cross is en enough for us to have favor and acceptance with God. Nothing we can do in our own accord. The work's been done for us. And because what Christ did for us at the cross, it compels us, it calls us to be a people who love and obey him. And so we see God speaking these words of salvation. You get to verse 2. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Don't you, don't you just love this, this idea, this truth that, that God calls out to, hey, heavens, hey, you listen, listen. And guess what? The heavens stand up and they pay attention because they remember the voice of the one whom in Genesis 1 said, let, let there be light. They know that voice. It's in the heavens. They perk up. God is, is speaking. Hey, listen, earth. Listen up. The Lord is speaking. And so as heaven and earth, they look in to see what God's saying. Here's what he says. Children. This is family language. This is language talking. Children have I reared and brought up, but they've rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Can you, can you hear the anguish and like the, the voice of the prop, prophet as he speaks on behalf of God? These children, I've loved, I've raised them up, and now they want nothing to do with me. You know why in verse 3 he, he talks about the, the, the donkey and the ox? Can you think of a more stubborn animal than a donkey? Can you think of a more stubborn animal than an ox? Uh, I preached this text at our church, and uh, there was one guy. He pulled me aside afterwards, and he's like, man, I got some donkeys. Let me tell you about donkeys. He said, I try to get them in the barn, and I grab them. And it's not just that they won't come. It's that they, they plant their feet in such a way that I'm, they're going to make me like pull them. Right? They're so stubborn that you're going to... How many of us are like that with God, man? We're so stubborn and stuck in our ways. And we're like, God, I'm not budging. I'm not obeying you. I'm doing my own thing to our own detriment and to our own harm. And that's the people that God's, God's loved them so much. He's raised them. And there's these stubborn donkeys. They don't know. They don't understand. And he gets to verse 4. Ah, sinful nations. This is lament, this language of, ah, it's it's. it's painstaking. And look just in verse 4, what he says about him. Sinful nation, laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers. They deal corruptly. Now listen to this. Those first three words there, I think, in, I don't think it's on the screen. It may be in your version. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Who's guilty here? They are guilty. Friends, a lot of times if you're like me, I'm really good at being like Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. When they sin and God shows up, hey, she made me do it, right? She made me sin. And then Eve's like, no, that serpent. We, we point the finger at everybody else. And God's making sure you can't cast the blame. You're the problem. You're guilty. And this text calls us to think inwardly and be mindful. Man, we're the guilty 
we are the ones that have forsaken and despised. And because of our sin, we're utterly estranged. In verse 4, notice the, the character name of God there. It says the, the Holy One of Israel. Here's the tension in this text, and it's a real tension. God is a Father who really loves us. God is also a holy judge. Because he's holy, he must deal with sin. And because he loves us, he wants to take sin upon himself so that we can be in relationship with him. And don't we see that at the cross? We see God's love fully displayed and also his justice against sin as Jesus bears it for us so then we can enter into fellowship and relationship with him. And then verse 5, why? Will you be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is, is faint. This is a condition of humanity, y'all. Like, it's not as if we're just half bad. It's, it's pointing out that we're corrupt totally and we need a Savior to come and deal with every sinful problem that we, that we possess. And friends, we know that 700 years later, there's going to be a man born who is coming to restore and to renew all the brokenness in us. And we see him do that at the cross. And so you kind of see this, this picture. You're getting an idea of this kind of destruction. Now jump down to verse 9. So you see all this hardship, this pain, this brokenness. And you get to verse 9, and it says, If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors. In other words, when, when these people didn't deserve anything because of their sin, they didn't deserve God's attention or affection at all. God took the initiative to do something for them that they could never do for themselves. And friends, that's how God treats us. I mean, he takes the initiative to do something for us that we can never do for ourselves, to bring us into fellowship with himself. And so we've seen God speak, and now we're seeing God pursue the sinner. And I want to show you God pursuing the, the, self, the self-righteous. Look with me in verse, verse 11, please. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of well-fed beasts. I don't delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. Now, I don't know, like, your background. Man, some, some of us may have been, have just kind of lived our life, just what we would say, just completely, like, rebelling against God and his word. Now, some of us over here, we might be like the people that were raised in church, born in church. We've been going to church nine months before we were ever born, right? And so we... We, we sometimes categorize these people. These are the good people over here, and these are the bad people over here. But here's what the Bible does. Here's the categories the Bible gives. When you're talking about bad people, everybody's over here. And the good people, there's one person over here. And that good person, who's Jesus, comes to the, the bad side to take upon our badness and sin and evil so that we can be good before God. We can be justified, declared right, even though we... We don't deserve it. And so in this text, I mean, these people, they are doing all this stuff, this religious jargon to earn God's favor and acceptance. And guys, I'll be honest with you, man. I was the self-righteous person. Man, I thought God loved me and was going to let me into his heaven because I went on some mission trips. I spoke a few times at church, right? I went to seminary. Man, I did some good stuff, like, God's got to be impressed, impressed with me. And one day I was in my car, and I had this moment. I'm like, God, like, why am I saved? Why do I, why am I certain that I'm going to spend eternity with you? And you know what I did? I just went down the list. God, because I did this, and I did this, 
and I did this, and I did this. And I went down that list, and I was not any more confident that I was going to be with God at the bottom of that list as I was at the very beginning. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm not accepted before God because anything I did on that list. I'm accepted before God only because of what Christ did in his life, death, and in his resurrection. And that did something in my spirit. And I'd been buried for a year, and I walked into my, my, my house, and I said, babe, I don't know what happened to my car ride on the way back from seminary. I was a pastor at the time. I said, but I think I just got saved. <laughs> She's like, what? I, I, maybe I didn't get saved at that moment, but I understood the gospel at that moment. And understood that I was justified before God based on faith alone in Christ alone and not on works. And here these people, they're offering their religion and their sacrifices. They're going above and beyond. But God is not pleased because they're, they're having this form of religion and worship. But their hearts aren't connected with God. Their hearts don't love God. Their hearts don't care anything about, about God. And so we, we see God speaks. We see God pursues the sinner and the self Righteous. We've seen these. I want to end with this. How does God respond to the sinner and the self-righteous? What does he say to, to both of these groups who deserve only condemnation and judgment? What does he say? Look in verse 18. He says, Come, come to me. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. What does God say to those who don't deserve it, the sinner and the self-righteous? Come to me. Let me deal with your sin, with your guilt. Let me do it. And we know this is ultimately fulfilled at the cross, doesn't it? When, when Jesus, bloodied and battered on the cross, takes upon our guilt and our sin on our behalf, and three days later, raises from the dead so that we can stand accepted before God, innocent. Though our sins are like scarlet, now we're white as so snow. Though they used to be red like crimson, now we're white as wool. So friends, when God looks at us in Christ, doesn't he see Jesus? That we stand before God for whatever reason, by his grace, we stand before God guiltless, innocent, righteous, not because we deserve it but because of what the Lord Jesus did on our behalf. And so, so, so what? Like, what, is this, what does this mean for us Monday morning? Like, how does this text uh, apply? Well, I think there's a few, a few ways, that, and I'll end with this. Um, this first way. God has made himself known. <laughs> so we can, we can know him and, and not just have a knowledge of him intellectually, but have a relationship with him the Father through the Son. Uh, there's this famous missionary. His name is uh, Jim Elliott. And uh, he was writing in, in this is kind of like a journal about his father. And uh, his dad wasn't like the smart guy or anything like that. But he said, Dad knows nothing of theology. Just doesn't get it. Doesn't know anything like that. He's not some, he's not some genius, not some teacher, not, none of that. He doesn't know theology. But he knows the Savior. And God wants us to know him. You know, you don't have to be a genius. You he just wants us to know him, to enjoy him, to have fellowship with him. And this text reminds us God has made himself known so that we can, we can know him. 
Um, the, the second application, maybe it's for a specific few. I don't know where each of you are in your family. Uh, but it reminds us how to be a dad as a Christian. Um, God, he speaks, he pursues, and he invites, he, he welcomes. And so can I just remind you as a dad, and like, man, I speak to my kids. I, I think maybe it's, it's forgotten like the, with our cell phones and all of our distractions to actually engage our kids in conversation. And if also we, we engage our God in, on behalf of our kids. We intercede for them to God. We pursue them and we invite them into our life. And then lastly, maybe an application from this text is we want to worship God not to, not to, with a, to get something from him in a sense, but just to be with him, to know him because we love him. And so we don't have this kind of external form of religion and worship and our hearts be far from God. No, God wants our hearts, and that will in turn, he'll have everything else. And so if nothing else from this text, man, I hope you, you got a better glimpse of who God is as Father. Can I pray for us, and then we'll, we'll be finished. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, what, a, what a privilege it is to call you Father. Um, of all the ways you could have revealed yourself, you chose to reveal yourself as Father, which tells us a great deal about who you are, um, that you're knowable, and you care for us. You care for us so much that you provided for us uh, the need and the solution to our greatest, our greatest problem by, by sending your son Jesus to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, to take upon the judgment and condemnation that we deserved at the cross. And three days later, triumphing over death in the grave. And, and Lord, this text um, it calls us to repent. When you say come to us, you're calling us to repent, to turn from our sins. Lord, help us to hear that word. Like you call us to repent and to trust. And so, Lord, I pray that you help reveal in our hearts any way that we need to turn from our sin and our idolatry to trust in you, God. Whether it's subtle sin, like we're self-righteous and we don't even see it, or whether it's blatant sin. Sin is is deserving of eternal condemnation, we know. And so, Lord, would you reveal in our hearts the sin and lead us to repentance and to come to you and you cleanse us and heal us. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.